the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Lifeline for the 22nd day of March. Trust you're having a great day so far. A little bit better weather today after some rain uh, last night and this morning. So uh, hopefully that means you'll have a drier and safer and quicker commute home tonight or wherever you might be headed. And on this Thursday, we're going to keep you company right up until 7 p.m. tonight, as we do every Monday through Friday during these uh, two hours, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Don't forget our ongoing parenting series, Hosanna Parenting Project, hosted by our good friend Vern Tyler, continues this evening at the 6 o'clock hour, so we invite you to uh, tune in for that. The series available also through our podcast page at kfax.com. And um, a listener brought up a good point the other day and said, gee, you've got this spread out over um, a number of weeks here. Would it be possible to kind of post them all together somehow so we can easily find a link there and be able to just grab them all in one big solid bite or all one after another? And the answer is, great idea. Yes, we think we can do that. We're going to work on that. And so as soon as the entire series can be uh, then culled into one location on the uh, website, we'll let you know. This way you can download that information, listen to it again, share it with friends and um, others. So um, we'll, uh, we'll let you know when all that comes together. I've been spending some time here this afternoon watching the coverage of the, the backside of the um, capture, I guess we'll call it, of the Austin bomber. And uh, now everybody, of course, has slipped into the why did he do it mode. And I suppose there are some crimes for which once the perpetrator is no longer with us in the case of the Austin bomber essentially committing suicide, questions that we're never really going to get solid answers to. And yet they're legitimate questions that I think not only all of us should be asking of ourselves as a society, as a society but then, too, I, I think as Christians engage in these conversations, um, you know, we're going to be looked upon, as we often are, for answers or perspective. So, Charlie, what do you think? You're a Christian. Why does God allow things like this to happen? You've been confronted by those sorts of questions? It comes to the notion that we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within, and that as much as we struggle with the answers to these questions, uh, imagine the non-believer who has even more questions, who doesn't have the biblical perspective or a Christian worldview to give any light or guidance to them. And so for them, it's just one continuing series of horrible, horrific, frightening episodes that can be very uneasy. I mean, I guess for any of us, the notion of sending your child off to school and them getting killed um, as as they uh, are attending class, as in the case of the Pensacola school shooting a couple of weeks ago, that can be unnerving and, and legitimately should be. Then though we as Christians, though, have the comfort in knowing that, as Paul said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, 
that even if something horrific like that were to befall our family, we know that we would have the strength of God to get us through that tragedy. And yet that's not the case for the believer. So how do you answer these kinds of questions? How do you give hope? Well, we're going to get some answers now. So we're joined by Pastor Sam Rohrer. He is the president of the American Pastors Network. He also um, writes and produces the weekly radio program, Stand in the Gap, heard on radio stations across the country. And Pastor Rohrer, is always a privilege to have you join us on the program. Wow, all of these topics that are coming up, and so many of us in modern-day society that deal with, uh, you name it, we have a national debate going on concerning abortion, immigration, gun control, violence in the schools, violence such as what transpired in Austin over the last month. And all of this um, oftentimes uh, not only confusion for the non-believer, but opportunity for the believer if we only know how to grasp it. Uh, Craig, I I totally agree with you, and uh, you hit on some major issues, and uh, and obviously there are a lot more. But you know, what you're saying is exactly correct. There is no reason for the believer in these days of confusion to be themselves confused. Uh, If we believe, as I do, and I know you do, that the Word of God holds all of the answers for all issues of life, now that's a premise that we have to begin with. If we don't believe that God's Word is complete, then we're not going to be able to find the answers. But if we believe that God's Word holds the answers for all matters of life, then the key is that's where we ought to go first. And from that, then we can lay out a, a, an approach, a, 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 a roadmap, more or less, for coming to a proper conclusion. But it does presuppose we want to come to a conclusion that agrees with what God says. That's a premise that we have to start with. If we, if we reject God up front, then we won't go to the Bible. If we reject God up front, then we don't need him then we don't necessarily at all want to come to the point where he wants us to come to, and that's ultimately freedom in Christ. So I'm going to lay that out there first in saying that that's the premise, but if we begin there, then there is a roadmap that can allow us to successfully tackle, and I think bring clarity from confusion on any matter that's facing us as a, as a, as a person, as a family, or as a nation. This, of course, is a process, isn't it? And I ask that question because uh, let's take the typical discussion that takes place, recurs around the water cooler, for example, at work. Um, A co-worker wants to know what we believe, what we have to say about a given topic that's uh, reaching all the headline news. And yet for a lot of believers, we don't really have an opinion shaped of our own, and least of which we don't even really understand what the Lord or what the Bible says about the topic. So suddenly we find ourselves kind of in that um, uh, shoulder-shrugging position that, that sadly really misses out on a tremendous opportunity. Well, it, it truly does. And, and if I were to put that example uh, that you shared there into a biblical illustration, th- that is the true practical application. When, when Christ told his disciples, uh, you are light and you are salt, now go out and act like it. Be salt. Bring bring illumination to those in darkness. Be salt. Uh, be that sweetening, that, that flavoring, that, that uh, anti-corruption, that uh, anti-decay mechanism. That's what he was talking about. 
and uh, and that's the practical aspect. We often say in, in Chris and Lim that we're all salt and light. Well, we are, maybe, uh, but unfortunately, I think far too often the salt has lost its saltiness and the light has been put under a bushel. But if it's, if we do it, if we know what God's Word says, if we believe that He deals with all issues and the Word of God holds it, then when we face uh, times of um, uh, of uncertainty, we know first where to go, and that is to the Word of God, because if we do, we will find clarity there. So that that's a that's something that we that's a choice I believe that we have to make. But that's also an understanding of who and what we are if we call ourselves a child of God. Uh, are we being light? Are we shining it? Are we speaking into those conversations around the water cooler? Are, are we speaking to our neighbors next door? Are we taking the examples, the opportunities when they come up to say, you know what, this sure is a confusing time, but you know what, there's an answer to it. If we offer that, then we are being that light, being that salt, and being the leadership that actually gives testimony and testament to the one who alone can bring uh, life and freedom, and of course that is Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's how it all fits together, I believe. So there are multiple levels there where the believer really begins to uh, ascertain what does Scripture have to say on a given topic, uh, begin to formulate that Christian worldview, and then of course here in a pluralistic society, in a nation of laws, we also have to see how all that fits hand in glove in terms of how we as a nation govern ourselves, does it not? I mean, I would imagine a lot of people, for example, on the topic of gun control. Well, we know that that certainly taking of another life, an individual who's created in God's image, is wrong. Uh, we're told in Scripture that um, murder is wrong, so we understand that. Okay, now let's get to the topic of gun violence, and what does the Constitution say about these issues? So they're, they're, it's almost as if we're peeling back layers of an onion, then, in giving an answer. Well, we really are, and that's why I believe that the first place to start, as what we've been discussing, is, and it must be, the Word of God, because the Word of God uh, provides for us, as the Creator has designed, God has the God the Creator has designed, He's given us the moral standard, uh, the determination of what is right and wrong from his perspective, and he has the right to do that, because he made us. So that's, again, a premise. God is, and God says. So, therefore, the Word of God is that is the Word of God. It gives us the moral standard, and many things in Scripture are very, very clear. Thou shalt not murder, the Sixth Command, as you just said. That's very, very clear. It's explicit. There's no question about it. It has application. Uh, to, where, to how that's applied, and there is a, a meaning there, thou shalt not murder, is what that means. But, uh, but also later in the Scripture, the, the, the Word of God gives uh, government, uh, Romans 13, the sword to enact justice against those who do evil, and God also commands that if a life of a, if a murderer takes the life of someone innocent, that that life of the murderer is to be taken. Well, we say, how do, how do we justify that? Well, there's a difference between an individual enacting justice and civil government or the laws of the land. That's why when we have, uh, in any nation, you start with the Word of God, moral principles, universal, don't change from nation to nation at any point in time. But then you have to walk to the next framework, and that is the 
what is the framework of civil government. Uh, the Word of God does not prescribe nor mandate a specific type of civil government. But for us in the United States, we have a self-government, self-governing republic that's undergirded by a constitution. That's our highest law. So when we step into the realm of such things as murder or the shooting or whatever it may be, you're automatically under the governing umbrella of, in this case, the Constitution in our republic based on the laws that are here. So that's where you have to go next. I say you start with what does the Word of God say, then you go to what does the Constitution, in our case, guarantee, because it covers all applications of our rights and what happens when those rights are violated. And so you have to go there next. But it is, in fact, as you're saying, a progression. You don't go to the Constitution first. You've got to go to the Word of God first. Then you go to the Constitution. Then you go to the next step. Well, it's like building a house at the end of the day. You know, you you may be all excited about uh, the color of the granite on the kitchen countertops or uh, what paint you're going to put on the walls, but all of that is a moot point if you haven't first cleared the lot and laid down a solid foundation. And so then um, that Christian worldview, that scriptural perspective uh, must out of necessity be based upon understanding what Scripture says on these issues, and then from there, broadening to the next layer, we've kind of laid the foundation. Now we've got to get the uh, the bones of the building in, and that, of course, would be in the United States under a constitutional republic. Well, what does our Constitution say? What is permissible under the rule of law here? There's some other steps involved, too. We'll get to those after we take a brief time out. Pastor Sam Rohrer is with us today, president of the American Pastors Network. We're talking about these issues that are coming into the forefront on an increasing basis. You've heard them. You're a Christian, so what do you think about Donald Trump? You're a Christian, so what's your take on this immigration thing? Or, boy, this mass murder that just took place a couple of weeks ago in Pensacola or the Austin bomber. The Austin bomber, does he go to hell for what he did? Wow, all of these questions that society at large struggles with. Now imagine the believer that's never taken the time to get some insights. You don't even have an opinion on this yourself, and yet you're being looked to for guidance. It's a great opportunity if, if we're prepared. A time out back to more of our conversation after an update on traffic. All right, 517. Let's get a look at what's going on out there. We say good afternoon. The latest from Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael's all yours. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Sam Rohrer with us today. Pastor Sam Rohrer, president of the American Pastors Network. We're talking about uh, spurned opportunities here, uh, largely because America has been through some pretty tumultuous times in recent years, and certainly the culmination of things like gun violence, violence in general, uh, the abortion question, now immigration, certainly the impact of Islam in America, all raise questions, and Christians should have a solidly formed Christian worldview on these topics, not only for our own benefit, but ultimately for the benefit of sharing our faith with others. And we talk about laying this firm foundation, Pastor Rohr, in relationship to God's Word, understanding then, too, um, the constitutionality of the framework in which we work in our rule of law here in America. From there, what's the next part? What's the next component of this? The next step that I think, uh, Craig, should be asked is, what does freedom require? So we start with what, the, what does the Bible say? 
some things are explicit and some things are there by by principle and you apply it next question is once that take that would take that moral law and you apply it to around us life now you're in the realm of civil government here as you talk we have a republic we have a constitution that's the rule of law so we have to operate within that law but the next question then comes to us is what does freedom require now i put that question out there for uh... for a matter of serious thought because ultimately what does everyone want it's freedom what what does our liberty bell say proclaim liberty throughout all of the land to the inhabitants thereof why did our founders come here in the first place for religious liberty for freedom to raise their family and their children as they believed god would want them to come why have others come to our country immigrants for so long they've come for freedom and ultimately it's the freedom in jesus christ that he gives us that causes so that a believer a christian is the only one who truly understands complete freedom because that's freedom in christ spiritually but the result of living christian life applying biblical principles will result in freedom But that freedom does demand something of us, does it not? I mean, I think, for example, of our founding fathers. Uh, These are individuals that came here that made sacrifices. In some cases, they gave of their lives. Blood was shed in order to obtain freedom to protect the the small gathering that would eventually become our union. And so there are degrees at which we say, okay, if we're going to enjoy freedom, it's not free. It comes at a price, even if it's something as, quote-unquote, mundane or minuscule as bothering to show up whenever there's an election and have our voice heard through voting. Absolutely correct. Back in the early days, I'm from Pennsylvania, I'm calling from there now, uh, William Penn here laid down his frame of government. Our founders referred to William Penn as the founder of the fathers. Ben Franklin and uh, Thomas Jefferson both referred to him as that because he'd laid down ten essential biblical principles, but one of them dealt with the fact of once you got a free republic established, understanding who God is, the nature of man, the purpose for government, the purpose for law, then you walked into the nature of how do you keep it? How do you keep it? And he made it very clear that it required, it was a duty required of all citizens, if in fact we are to have self-government, and he said that it was required of the citizens that they conformed their actions, they limited their freedom to the constraint of the Ten Commandments of God. Again, back to God's moral law. We have to understand God's moral law constrains us all. Freedom civilly is not free to do whatever we want. It's really the freedom to do what God would have us to do. That's freedom, and that's the only thing that will begin and assure and cultivate and preserve civil freedom. So he said, citizens, you have a duty. And he said those who are in office representing the people in civil government had also and must constrain themselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And our founders knew that if, in fact, that happened, then God's moral law would be, would be respected for, first and foremost. Civil law, the Constitution, based on that, would be upheld. That's why they take an oath now to defend and support the Constitution, and that's why. And if that, in fact, were and occurred, then, in fact, this holy experiment that Penn talked about, this shining city on a hill that Bradford talked about in Massachusetts, would, in fact, come about, but it could only be continued. So we're back now to the point of saying, all right, Christian, 
we have freedom, because there were people who believed what God said and put it into place. However, this kind of freedom is not the default position in history. This is, this is very unique, and only if God's people, being salt and light, knowing what God says, how he has set this up, and as our founders said, live it out, will we be able to keep it? I think we're being threatened right to the core in these days, and the very foundations are being undermined, and it's primarily being given up, Craig. It's not being stolen from us. It's being given up because God's people, by and large, themselves don't understand the basic principle. That's why walking through these basic steps here are so important, I think, for helping to reconstruct and reorder our thinking. And you've gotten really to the core of this, because at the end of the day, this is not something that we're necessarily um, seeing stolen from us bit by bit, although I know it certainly feels like that at times. But in many cases, in many circumstances, we are simply surrendering up. We're, we're giving up territory, so to speak, inch by inch, and largely out of complete utter ignorance. I mean, not only does it oftentimes astonish me at how ignorant Americans can be at our Constitution, as what it means to be a constitutional republic, at our rights, at our responsibilities as citizens and voters, but then you look and see the astonishing degree of uh, scriptural illiteracy um, and, and the lack of understanding, the lack of having any sort of Christian worldview in the first place um, is demonstrative of the notion that, you know, they, they can only come in and take what you give them, and that's essentially what we're doing is giving a lot of this up. And so coming full circle to the notion of understanding that it's not just a matter of a, a, a lost opportunity at sharing our faith, but also coming to the understanding that it's the loss of our freedoms, our republic, and all that allows us to live in this incredible country because we don't know how to defend it because we don't understand what it is. Some great insights from Pastor Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network. And Sam, as always, we appreciate so much your time and these valuable insights. We're challenged by this, and I hope everybody stops and thinks, okay, what exactly is not just my opinion, what is God's opinion on gun control, on abortion, on immigration? And how do we go about applying that knowledge in not only giving ourselves a more rounded viewpoint, a more rounded worldview, but also the ability to effectively communicate that worldview with others. 5.30 from KFAX. Traffic now, an update. Michael Bennett's got the latest. Michael, what's up? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For those who have loved ones currently in the hospital who have perhaps lost a loved one, it raises many of the why God questions. Why does God allow things to happen like this? And when we're in these kinds of times, whether we're talking about the tragedy of what unfolded yesterday in Boston, to the loss of a child, to maybe just the day-to-day challenges that we face in life, oftentimes we, we feel as if we're kind of groping about, and we're, we're wondering in the middle of the darkness of our experience, how do we find God? Coincidentally, a new title of a book called, called Finding God in the Dark, and it's co-written by my next guest, Ted Gluck. Ted, of course, has been on the program previously. We talked to him uh, some months ago regarding his best-selling book, Dallas and the Spitfire. Back again to join us today. And, Ted, it's always great to have you on the show. 
Hey, Craig, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Boy, the timing of our conversation today in the wake of the tragedy of Boston yesterday, again, it just touches on so many levels emotionally and, and spiritually. Kind of give me your overall sense, um, particularly in the spirit in which uh, you wrote this book along with Ronnie Martin. Um, we're in these moments, be it the tragedy of yesterday to simply maybe losing a job, losing a loved one. We grapple with this sense of where God, why God? Yeah, we really do. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. These are these are existential questions. You know, these are questions that that strike to the core of our existence, and um, they really strike to the core of how it is that we think about God. And, um, you know, as, as I prepared for the show tonight, I, I knew you were going to ask me about this, and I was, I was talking it over and, and praying about it with my wife, and I was reminded of the verse in First Thessalonians that says, you know, as Christians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope, and, you know, but we still grieve, you know, and, and whether you're intimately involved in a situation like this, or, or whether you're just kind of observing it from the outside. I mean, you're grieved, and I'm reminded of the, the doctrine of total human depravity, you know, the idea that, that we're all sinners in this world with sick hearts, and that there's no hope for us, and there's, there's nothing good apart from Christ. And I think, you know, what, what you take from this event, I mean, you watch the media and you hear things like, you know, we're going to do everything we can, and, you know, there's all kinds of kind of governmental slash military finagling going on. And, and on one hand, you, you root for that, and you're, you're hopeful that something will be done. But, you know, as Christians, we know that um, apart from the cross and apart from Christ, you know, there's really there's not a good answer. You know, there's not a great hopeful thing that, that Obama or anyone else can say to people to really make them feel better. So, you know, I think for us, maybe the takeaway is an opportunity to, to recognize the sin in our own hearts. And, you know, much of my book deals with that, you know, this idea that, you know, it wasn't until I really humbled myself and threw myself at the foot of the cross that I had any joy and any peace in this life. And I think we were reminded that we don't find our joy and peace in circumstances or situations. You know, it, it isn't God's job to, to make everything perfect for us. Um, uh, but he does find us, he does seek us out, and he does give us the opportunity to, to humble ourselves and, and find joy and peace in him. You know, what you say, I know, even with my listeners eavesdropping on this conversation right now, we, we, we resonate with what you say. We, we certainly readily give a mental assent to your observations. And yet oftentimes, isn't there that disconnect that we experience, meaning that we understand, for example, if we want to just kind of uh, coldly in a very calculated manner dissect what transpired yesterday, it is, you know, man's depravity, it is separation of God, from God by, by sin, it is our inclination to do wrong and evil and the influence of the enemy in our lives. We understand all of that, and we can certainly, in many ways, kind of pigeonhole or categorize the pain of yesterday into those categories. We give complete, total mental assent to those realities. And yet there's this disconnect where emotionally, though, we're still saying, but wait a minute, God. I mean, aren't you supposed to come in and kind of, you know, save the day? Uh, we look at this and say, well, you know, of all the people that died yesterday, uh, three all told, why did one of them have to be an eight-year-old boy? And suddenly now we're kind of emotionally uh, and spiritually wrestling with God over these things. Yeah, we are, you know, and I, I, I fully agree. And I think, you know, for those of us who, who grew up Christian or grew up in evangelical homes like I did, I mean, I think I, I spent a lot of years just 
intellectually assenting to things and not really feeling or experiencing them. And there's this this strange tension in the church where you know you're you're clinging to truth and you have biblical truth, but yet you you still want to experience things. You want to feel comforted. And you know, for me, uh, I think the Bible is full of, of of examples of people who you know cling to cling to Christ and cling to cling to God in the midst of really horrible things that are happening to them. And on one level, you, you, you don't really maybe find comfort in their stories, but I, I find comfort in the idea that there's a model for how we can cling to the Lord in those times, how we can cry out to the Lord, how, you know, King David, who, you know, the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, but, but was also this horrible sinner. You know, he was a, an adulterer and a murderer, and he has the audacity and the, and the courage, really, to ask God for a clean heart. And then he asked God to restore his joy. And this is, you know, when people are pursuing him and, and chasing after him to take his life, you know, he even he even clings to, to the Lord for joy in that. And, you know, as to how that comforts, you know, someone who's who's grappling with the reality of yesterday, I don't know, but I'm but I'm glad it's there. And I'm glad, you know, the Bible gives us a, a model for how we're to do that. And I've I've found, I mean, my experience has been um, that there's really been no earthly comfort outside of that. And, you know, sometimes we can't explain these things away. We can't, um, you know, God doesn't let us know immediately why it's happening. Um, but, but that feeling of joy and peace, even in the midst of, uh, of life's terrible storms, I mean, that's something that uh, experientially we can, we can look to the Lord and just say thank you. There's one thing, though, that tends to kind of complicate this, and after a brief time out, I want to kind of dig deeper. We, we spoke of the, the mental ascent to what we understand to be true from God's perspective, from God's Word. Then there's kind of the emotional struggles that we go uh, go into, where we, we understand intellectually what's going on, and yet emotionally still there's that sense of disillusionment and fear and doubt and unbelief. The third aspect that kind of complicates this scenario is the big cover-up, and we'll talk about that when we come back after a brief timeout. Best-selling author Ted Kluck is with us today, a look at Finding God in the Dark. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We continue our visit with best-selling author Ted Kluck. He, along with co-author Ronnie Martin, have written a new book called Finding God in the Dark. Now, we talked a bit about that sense of giving mental assent to what we know are the realities of what's going on in these kind of circumstances, Ted, and yet oftentimes uh, being just overwhelmed by emotional senses of, of doubt and fear and disillusionment. But then there's kind of the other third item that I think tends to complicate this, and you talk about it in the book. It's something that we evangelicals in particular seem to be very adept at, and that is um, kind of faking our way through pain, you know, painting on the smile and, and getting past the greeter at the door at church on Sunday or, you know, uh, giving the obligatory, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? When, in fact, we're really not. And I'm wondering if sometimes that sets up a barrier that really blocks us from the ability to deal with how we're feeling and kind of find the sort of uh, peace and relief that we seek. Yeah, I think it absolutely does, and I think, you know, I wrote about it in the book. I was absolutely guilty of that for so many years, you know. The issues were different for me in that, you know, our our hard times, our dark places, if you will, were infertility, um, a failed adoption, um, some vocation-related failures that I was experiencing, and instead of, 
you know, being humbled and clinging to the cross and those things, for a lot of years I just got more bitter, you know, more bitter, more cynical. Um, but week after week, day after day, you know, Sunday after Sunday, I would go into church and, and you know, I was I was everybody's buddy and, and the backslapping lobby guy with a smile for everybody. But inside I was really dying, you know, and I was really struggling with, you know, how do I love a God who uh, would put me through this? quite frankly, was, was my thought process. And um, it was really tough, you know, and, and thankfully the, the same institution that was hard for me in that, the church, um, it was tough to go to church and it was tough to see everybody else, I thought, prospering, you know, while I was kind of circling the drain, I thought. But um, it was that same institution that ended up being, you know, such a help and such a comfort for me as the Holy Spirit uh, pursued me out of that. I guess the irony is that a lot of us are often going through this, whether it's the way in which a whole community suffers, such as in the wake of the Boston bombing, or individual families. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job. As you point out in your case, it was an adoption that right on the cusp of, of everything coming together, um, your uh, your little Ukrainian daughter, who who was literally the 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 sister of, of one of your adopted boys. Uh, mm-hmm. Another couple stepped in, and the law did what it did uh, thousands of miles away, and that whole adoption process fell apart. That created a great deal of pain in your life. And I guess maybe the issue oftentimes here is when we're going through pain or fear or doubt or disillusionment, uh, we want to keep up a happy face. You know, nobody typically posts on Facebook what a terrible day that they're having or what an awful meal that they had. They we all tend to kind of want to be uh, happy and, and, and sort of, you know, put on the dog, so to speak. And yet behind that mask oftentimes lurks an awful lot of pain. Yeah, that's so right, man. I, I think oftentimes we're our own best press agents. And, you know, from being in Christian media and Christian entertainment, as I am, you know, there, there is this often kind of creepy, you know, motivation to self-promote. And um, I find I found myself doing a ton of that, you know. Uh, again, on Facebook, my Facebook persona was, you know, I was this happy, successful guy with a great family and, um, you know, all kinds of success and all kinds of exciting things happening. But you know, for anybody who knew me then or, or anybody who was close to me then, you know, the opposite was really true. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I heard some convicting preaching. Um, it wasn't until I, you know, I went to some friends of mine in the church, uh, a pastor and an elder, and just said, look, I'm I'm struggling here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really dying here. I'm really bitter, and uh, I need your help. You know, um, Thank God, you know, for me that the Holy Spirit pursued me in that way and, uh, and, and kind of led me to do that, because I think even though the circumstances really haven't changed, you know, this book isn't one of those stories where, you know, we pray a couple of times and then we get rich and have a bunch of kids and everything starts going right for us. You know, the, the circumstances are the same, essentially, um, but, but Christ has given me a lot of joy and a lot of peace in the midst of that. So I'm thankful. What's the big takeaway? Um, as both you and Ronnie have shared a lot of personal pain in this book, what are you hoping to be the big takeaway for readers and for our listeners tonight? Yeah, you know what? I think a couple of things. Number one, we can feel so alone in our churches um, when we do struggle and when we are in dark places. And uh, Ronnie and I hope that this book would kind of be the, the friend that we don't have in churches, you know, the the person who's willing to be honest about their own struggles and their own sins and their own you know, dark places. So hopefully it'll be a comfort to people on that level. But um, I think the other takeaway really is just a, a simple presentation of the gospel. You know, that if we humble ourselves 
in the sight of the Lord and we acknowledge our sinful hearts and our brokenness, that he'll lift us up, you know, and he'll, um, he'll redeem us and he'll give us peace and he'll give us, you know, the, the clean hearts and the, and the joy of our salvation that David talks about in Psalm 51. And, you know, I think in, in different ways and in different struggles, um, Ronnie and I have both, uh, experienced that. And we wanted to, you know, to write the book is a really an outpouring of thanks to, uh, to a Lord who would, who would do that for us. You know, a couple of really sinful, screwed up guys. We have a lot of observers right now who they themselves are asking questions who do not currently have a relationship with the Lord. And I know it's easy sometimes to come up with pat answers, but from a sincere standpoint, as as maybe people out there who are not believers are seeking answers and, and asking the why God questions as well, what, what do you tell these people in, in terms of how they can find God in the dark? I think keep asking and keep seeking. And, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will find you. You know, I, I think, you know, we serve a Lord who, who finds us and who pursues us and who loves us enough to, you know, to, to, to come after us at times. And, you know, I think if, if people are asking questions, that's a great sign. You know, I don't, think you, I don't think you get anywhere in this life without asking the hard questions. And, you know, again, you know, there's this, there's this weird tension in the Church where you're just so sometimes you feel like you're supposed to smile and show up and um, everything will be great for you. But, you know, it really wasn't until Ronnie and I started, ask, started asking those hard questions that, um, that we got any peace. And um, so I would say keep asking. I would say, you know, search for truth. I mean, I think we're, we live in a culture where um, it's very cool and it's very sexy to, to be journeying and never arrive anywhere. Um, it's cool to be a seeker, but not a, a, a pursuer of truth. But I would say, you know, seek hard after truth in Scripture and uh, and see how the Lord reveals himself to you. A look at finding God in the dark. Ted Cluck, along with Ronnie Martin, the authors of this new book. And the book, by the way, is recently published by, i got to get my cheaters on here, boy. Reaching that age, are you, Roberts? Bethany House Publishers, and you can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it through Ted's website at Ted Cluck, K-L-U-C-K. Dot com And our thanks again to Ted Kluck for visiting with us in this segment of Lifeline. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.